Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Les Raymond with The Mindful Movement and I want to thank you for joining me today for another episode. I'm excited about this episode. I have an old friend coming on and we're going to catch up. Laura Brazil used to work at the gym that I run in Maryland and I haven't spoken to her in years, but I know she's still deeply entrenched in the field of movement and now helping others in a different way. I think our audience will get some value out of what she has to share. I really miss her being around the gym. She was uh, just a tremendous person to be around, had a terrific energy that just radiated off her and was very easy to get along with. She was very open-minded and I loved watching her um, really approach her practice with a real like curiosity and a passion and it was sad that she had to leave town several years ago but I'm really excited to catch up with her and I'm excited that the audience could listen in. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host Les Raymond. I want to thank you all for joining me today for another episode I'm excited. This episode is going to be a little bit different. I have Laura Brazil from Mind Over Muscle with me today. And as you guys probably know, I uh, run a gym locally in Maryland, and I have for quite some time. And I was honored to have Laura be a part of that gym for a while before she uh, moved across the country. And uh, it was, it was uh, really un- kind of a sad thing for the gym when Laura left, but recently I saw her pop up on my Facebook feed and she had a new thing going on and I thought it'd be a great way to just catch up with Laura over the podcast and have a conversation and give her, give her a chance to talk a little bit about what she's up to now and I think that there is going to be value for anybody to listen to Laura um, speak on these topics. So Laura, please say hello to the Mindful Movement audience. Hello, everyone. It's so nice to be here. And Les, it's great to catch up with you in this way. A little bit different format that I'm used to catching up in, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's different for me, too. Uh, you're a different type of guest than I, I usually have. So I'm, I'm really excited. Um, you were a big part of the gym that I run for a while. And it was great having you there. Out of all the trainers that I had work with me there, I feel like you stood out as someone that was very curious, very coachable, 
had the vulnerability like required to make progress. And it was, it was really great. And it was kind of, like I said, it was sad when you left and, um, and I'm really excited to see you continuing in like the health and the movement field. And I'm really excited to hear more about what you're getting into now. So you started Mind Over Muscle. Um, I'd like to learn a lot more about that, but maybe for the audience first, you could catch everybody up on how you got to here. Like what got you into what you're doing initially and a little bit about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just want to acknowledge, like, I, I hear you and I take that in that compliment of like being coachable, being um, vulnerable, because I think that's so important when it comes to movements that like qualities that we look for when we're teaching movements um, that a lot of people don't think of. We think of like strength and like pushing and grinding, but these like vulnerability, coachability, um, they're like, they allow you to make progress in a way that's so different than just that that grind that a traditional exercise program will do um but i actually i mean you were you were my first mentor really um as i started out with personal training i remember i was like i told my then fiance now husband i i said i now have this personal training certificate i have no idea what to do with it but i know about this functional movement screen the fms and a local gym does it and so we set up a meeting and we sat down for coffee and I think you had tea actually. Um, and, you know, we went over to the gym and you offered me a, a job, but it felt like a really um, great connection because right away I knew that I was going to be in a spot where you would be supportive of like helping train me. Um, but also like the FMS in and of itself, what drew me to that was like this mindfulness, this awareness and the, the understanding that you can move in these big ways. You can do push-ups, you can do pull-ups, you can do all of that. But if you're building strength on top of dysfunction, then how strong are you really? Like we want a solid foundation. Um, and so when I, I think I was at CoreWorks for about a year, almost two years, and it was bittersweet leaving. Um, and I started learning more about um, alignment and natural movements and really applying that stuff to my work. Um, and so I started Mind Over Muscle and I really just, I, I had done a lot of competitive sports training before I met you. And you were body, a volleyball player. I was a volleyball player. Okay. Yeah. So I played volleyball I played a lot of sports up through high school and then I played volleyball and tennis in high school, volleyball in college um, and, you know, two national championships there, which is really great. But at the same time, like I was in my mid twenties and my knees would give out. And so like working with you and like doing that more mindful movement aware, like being aware, um, it just really brought a new dynamic to the way I approached training. And I was like, shoot, like, I look fit, but I don't feel good in my body all the time. And I can't run because my low back gives out like what, what is going on here. And so I explored that for myself. Um, and I was really fortunate to go through a training program that it was actually two years long, 
Um, and it was all about restorative exercise and alignment and it's taught by a biomechanist. Um, What's the name of that program you did? Um, so it's actually, I was in the last cohort that went through it. She decided to discontinue the training oh, nice. um, because she brought this awareness of like, oh, movement is for everyone and to train coaches as if like they are superior to the, to the people they are coaching. Like I want everyone to be the expert on their own body. Mm. Nice. And, yeah. And so as I'm going through my um, training with people, like that's my goal. I want to give people the tools. Like when they're done working with me, I want them to have specific tools so that they can embody their own experience and not have to come back, like maybe come back to me and say like, hey, what's this? What's this? Um, just as like reminders. But I think it's so important to to feel what's going on in your body and be really knowledgeable and have the tools to kind of treat yourself with movement in a way, like movement as medicine. Um, let's figure out a way to where you can use some like holistic, like natural movement type stuff, as opposed to like going to the doctor all the time and just having them give you the silver bullet. There really aren't silver bullets to practice. Right. You did the move net also, if I recall, yes. right? Yes, I, the, the, what I was referring to before with that two-year program, it was with a, a woman named Katie Bowman and her company's Nutritious Movement. And she likens movement. She's like the, the restorative exercise of like multivitamins. Okay. Um, and most of us need a, a, a supplement because we're not getting enough real movement in our daily life. Mm. Um, and then I did MoveNet as well. MoveNet is a natural movement system that looks at things from throwing to climbing, jumping, balancing. Um, so the whole spectrum of human movement. And I, I really like there, um, one of the, Erwan LaCour is the founder of MoveNet. And he's like, all the names of things, like a lot of exercises we tend to see are like crab walk and bear crawl and he's like no these are human movements why are we naming them after animals so it's like recognizing like we are we are capable of moving in that way we don't need to like pretend we're being an animal we're our own animal right well yeah we are an animal yeah so i also recall when you worked there you had like a day like a like a normal person's day job or something yeah i i was uh, a civilian i worked for, for the government at the time so i worked 40 hours a week i would come in some mornings and this is just i started i started mind over muscle now i'm mind over muscle i really want to focus on walking because and it's interesting that like i took i took a, I, so many walks when i was in that job because i hated this job it was I'm sure it was a good fit for some people, but it wasn't a good fit for me. And I realized when I was out on these walks, I was like, what, what brings me like, not like happiness, but what brings me joy? What brings me contentment? And I realized in the course of those walks, I was like, I wanna be outside. I wanna be moving. Like these are the times when I feel good and I wanna be in community. So how can I get more of those things? And at my, that day job, like, I had community, but it was kind of like that. It was, you know, the work, you know, the work family, if you will, but it wasn't um, as deep of community as I wanted. Um, 
and then I was I like made I made a lot of Venn diagrams a lot of checklists and <laughs> I was like a personal trainer could get me all of those things and I so th uh, that's what started me on that path of personal training um and I think even like today it's just like I look back at that and it was like the walks walking as like a moving meditation and giving my mind the space to slow down um and space to be like creative like how I want to create my life um and so that's what like the my new program wild walking woman addresses a lot is like it's a lot about the alignment it's a lot about feeling good and knowing giving you the, the movement tools so you can walk better and feel better when you're out walking or deep in a walking practice but it's also a lot about mindfulness and being like bringing self-awareness to how you're walking and compassion um, to any problems you may have and just connecting with nature too so it, it kind of combines everything for me which i'm excited nice. about yeah that's awesome it it's it's interesting i have uh you know a pretty robust history in like the field of exercise and i feel like i neglected or overlooked the value of walking through that process. And mm -hmm. it's been something that I, through actually like the lockdowns have provided for me. Um, I had all this time on my hands because the gym was shut down. Yeah. And I started walking every day. It started with uh, for learning how to forage for mushrooms in the woods. So I just put uh, either podcast or music in my ears and go for a walk and try to identify these mushrooms, which is oh, like eat what you know. <laughs> um, and I also started walking after dinner with my daughter mm -hmm. pretty much every night. And if, so now over these last, I don't know, nine or 10 months, log probably 200 walks with my daughter, who's probably going to be going away to college next fall. And it's been the absolute greatest gift ever. That sounds amazing, Les. Like, there's, I feel like there's something about walking. It's walking as such, it's human speed, right? We go yeah. through life, like, you know, as we've progressed through technology, it like speeds us up. And when we go out on a walk, it slows us down again to a more, um, it's just it, a walk is like the perfect tempo for conversation. It's and, and connection um, and for, to just like decrease stress too, if you can get out. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a great way to, to process and to be introspective. It's a time to be introspective where you could kind of look at the, I guess the issues that are on the front burner in your life. And you could also like plan and, you know, do lo long-term thinking, but mm -hmm. you know, the things that are always like the most challenging things for us that day, it gives us a platform to look at it and you know how do i feel about this and you know this is one option this is one way to look at it it gives you time and space to like look at the various or the potential ways of looking at this issue or scenario and kind of evaluate where you're not reactive and spontaneously mm -hmm. making decisions in the moment that you might regret and it gives you um it gives you like a working place yeah, and there's a there's such a I'm listening to a book right now that's all about walking and there's such there's a real history of walking like most like 
if you don't have generally like until 200 300 years ago you didn't walk unless you had to walk and so now because our lives look like they do where we're inside a lot we're on devices walking is is a privilege mm. um if you're able if you have the space to go out and take a walk um and i don't get into this in in the programs that i do but i really like believe like that walking is is a social justice issue some places aren't safe to walk like there's some places where you can't go outside and just like go wander around it's not so um it's just like walking as a, a different lens uh there's so many lenses that you can look at walking through and and have it be really powerful so what are the some of the things that you you like double click on in the process of walking like let's talk about footwear i know you are passionate about footwear yes maybe you could uh share that with the audience of what is it about footwear that's important to be mindful of when um you know when thinking about <laughs> how we're going to dress ourselves when we do this human speed activity mm -hmm. um I mean, if you think of sh your feet are your foundation. So whatever you put on your feet are going to impact everything in your body. So our body is a system. And to think that what we put on our feet isn't gonna impact the rest, everything up. Um, like a lot of us just aren't taught that feet, taught about feet in that way. Um, and so, I found when working with clients that changing footwear or even not even necessarily changing footwear, but becoming aware of how our footwear changes the alignment and posture within the body can have a big impact on how knees feel, how hips feel, your ability for your hips to actually propel you forward when you walk is isn't as great when you're in heels. Um, and I'm talking about heels, but like there's so there's Shoes in general. I, yeah, shoes in general. Like there's I generally see five elements of a shoe that like that you can work on um to impact your walking, but also just your body in general. So a heel is one of them. I think most people would recognize that a high heel is not great, but even a heel like that's a half inch is going to like impact how your body is situated in space, um, which could impact, again, it impacts the knees, impacts pelvic floor, impacts um, low back. So that's why I'm really passionate about shoes. And in my programs, I work with people, usually I start with the feet because if we can make an impact at the feet, generally it can impact almost any part of the body, depending on like your history and which parts are ready to release some of the tension that may have come up because of compensations due to right. footwear. Yeah, it seems like shoes in general, no matter the shoe, on some level disengage us from the earth, the thing that yeah. we're connected to. And, you know, if you look at movement from a general perspective, it's essentially like the transfer of energy through our body in the form of force. And we we generate and transfer force down into the earth. And then one of two things has to happen. Either the earth has to be pushed away from us or, but because we're so much smaller than it, it pushes back and we move forward. Yes. And anything that interferes with that relationship 
has to affect us there you know it's going to come at Absolutely. some price it's it's funny too it's almost like not naive it's almost like arrogant to think that this mechanism we call foot has I, and I'm probably going to botch this, but I think it has 26 bones and 32-ish ligaments. Yeah, it's like, there's 33 joints. 33 foot. Yeah, so there's like a lot going on, and to think yeah. that we could just mess with this beautiful thing mm -hmm. that you know, if you if you believe in evolution, that there was a lot of time built into this being created, or even yeah. if you believe in like some design, it was designed this beautiful way. It's, it's almost arrogant for us mm -hmm. to think we could just wrap this up in some big bulky thing and not pay a price yeah. for that. Yeah. And if you think, I think a lot of times this, I'll use this analogy a lot, like your, so you have 25% of your joints in the ankle below, in your ankles mm -hmm. below. So 25%. So again, it's that kind of like, a lot of people don't know that they don't realize that they're like, oh, it's just the ankle and then the toes. No, there is a, a lot of little movements that happen in those joints that add up to a lot of difference in how your body feels. So if your shoe is inflexible, how is your foot? How are those 33 joints going to be able to be flexible? All right. So that's one element. Like we have the heel, we have this flexibility. So if the bottom of your shoe is really rigid and hard, and sometimes you need a rigid and hard shoe, like given like certain there are pragmatic reasons why you would need a rigid and hard shoe. Like a specific like, activity or sport, you mean? Um, Yeah, like a cleat or something like that. But I mean, my feet are probably messed up from playing sports and being in really tight fitting shoes um, that don't, that only allow the ankle to move and a certain part of the, the, the ball of the foot to move. Um, but like if we were to put gloves on our hands and, let's be honest, we don't put gloves on our feet unless you're wearing toe socks, right? We usually put mittens on. So if you put a mitten on your hand or a sock on your hand and then put it in a shoe box and we're like, type, go for it. <laughs> right. Like it would obviously not work, but the, the met, like obviously our fingers can do things that our toes can't, but, um, but we have the same amount of neural connections between our brain and our hands as we do our brain and our feet. And so if our, we're deadening those neural connections when we're not giving the feet an opportunity to experience the variety that they could experience. So like, it's like when you walk into a room that smells like cookies, like you notice it right away. Hopefully you like the smell of cookies. You respond. And you're like, ooh, it smells like cookies. You either like it, you don't like it. Um, I hope it smells like chocolate chip cookies, you know, like whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, we rely, um, we rely on like uh, the sensory yeah, input. The yeah, but then yeah. if you stay in that room for five minutes, you don't notice the smell of cookies oh, anymore. Right, so, good point. This, so, so if you put your foot in a shoe, you might, your foot might notice the shoe environment for about five minutes and then, it, and then it turns off because there's no new information. So if you're not giving your foot new information which is like when you're outside walking with a shoe that's flexible you get that varied res response from your foot so you can't forget your foot because it's constantly processing new information mm -hmm. um and so i the it 
you used, like you said, you used the word arrogance. I just, I, I don't know if it's arrogance even. I think it's just, we're not taught these things. I, yeah. Like we're not taught, like maybe sometimes you hear like, oh, your body's a temple. Like maybe you hear that, but like, um, but we're not taught how to like treat it well, like how to reduce wear and tear on it. And wearing flexible shoes is actually a great way to reduce wear and tear on your knees, for example. Um, because if your feet can't respond reflexively to the ground, then your ankle or your knee has to pick up the slack of all those little joints that aren't moving anymore. Yeah, you make a good point. Like it's, it's one of those, you know, user lose it things. We rely on these environmental stimuli and you're no longer flexing that muscle. Like once you are desensitized, you're not flexing the muscle of mm -hmm. responding to environmental input. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, like people could just imagine it, how if you were to walk on a trail in the woods and imagine having like a big bulky boot and not really feeling anything and not feeling the pine needles and the rocks and the roots and the dirt and the slugs or whatever. And then imagine being barefoot, how you would instantaneously, like in real time, be in constant adjustment, like shifting your weight and your posture in response to all the information. We have all these uh, like mechanoreceptors on the bottom of our feet. And they're basically telling our brain about the environment so that we could respond. And a shoe seems to shut down that mechanism. So now you're not working the mechanism and then it atrophies just like any other system in our body that goes unused. Yeah, and, I, and if we, like if anyone has ever broken an arm or had to wear a sling or something, we recognize that, oh, if you wear your arm in a sling for an extended period of time, you might need to rehab it. It's definitely gonna atrophy, it's gonna weaken, it's not gonna be able to do the things that it once did. And then we put our feet into shoes, which is essentially a cast. Right. And, and we wear them. I know some people who put their shoes on in the morning and don't take them off until nighttime. And I'm not saying, again, if you're that person, I want to emphasize here that like awareness needs to come first. And then with that awareness, like be non-judgmental with it. Like when we start noticing alignment, when we start noticing things about the way we move, like we have to be aware, we have to learn new things in order to improve. And so like, if you can, if you hear this information, you're like, oh, that's me. like first of all, acknowledge like you just learned a big new piece of information that could have an impact on you um, and be be compassionate with yourself. You were never taught this. Like, how yeah. are you supposed to know? Like, Don't beat no yourself up for not already knowing. Yeah, and a lot of people will tell me after they work with me, they're like, I wish I had known this. Why don't they teach this in school? Why don't they teach the fact that like your leg, like your hip bone, your hip joint should be over your ankle? to not impact your hips and knees and your pelvic floor. Like these like little adjustments, often simple but not easy to change because we're in these habitual movement patterns um, can make a huge difference for people, a huge difference. And um, like with the shoe thing, I'm so like, I'm like it again, because it's so foundational, like I, I, I've developed a webinar for it. So I have a webinar coming up called um, 
um, these boots aren't made for walking. Oh, cool. When's the <laughs> webinar? It's January 27th. So oh, it's nice. up in a couple weeks. Um, and, and people could find that on your website if they go to, is it yeah. trainmindovermuscle.com? Trainmindovermuscle.com. Okay. And I'd love to give your listeners if, you know, this is a, sh you know, it's, I don't know when you, I think you'll be releasing it maybe before then the 27th. Um, we will make sure it gets out before the webinar so the listeners could take advantage of it. Yeah. And the, I would love to give your listeners a discount code too. If, oh, that's yeah, nice. So, so, so we'll, yeah, we will link to all that in the show notes for listeners out there. So yeah. um, that's exciting. So yeah. what do you, so you have a webinar coming up and then you, you run a program. What's the name of the program that you have? The program is called Wild Walking Woman, and it combines mindfulness. So you discriminate against guys, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not offended. Yeah, I mean, um, there's plenty of programs, out, walking programs that guys could find. I find that moving in community with other women is so powerful, and women open up to other women in ways that feel not even if a guy is wonderful and open like it still feels restricted there's something about a community of females that just it's so beautiful and so the program um is designed for women <laughs> obviously wild walking women um and it's nine weeks long and we go through we work from the bottom up in this program so we start at the feet and um, we work up to the head and the head positioning um, as we walk. And we actually, it's its mindful movements based on alignment um, and posture, but it also has mindfulness aspects in there, um, reconnection with nature aspects. I, I um, have some walking meditations that are a part of this. So it's really, it's, I, like I said before, I, I any movement, like exercise could potentially become a practice if you bring the mindset to it. And so I view walking as a practice that can deepen your self-awareness, deepen like self-compassion and understanding and help you to become the expert on your, on your own body and understand how your, how your own body works. I think there's something really valuable. And like, again, like I mentioned before, having tools that you know how to use so that you don't have to go back to the so-called experts to fix you, right? Gotcha. You yeah, might need you might need experts, and that's great to have them available. But I think a lot of times we outsource knowing about our body um, because it's easier, right? So the program isn't easy in that way because it challenges you to really take a look at, oh, this might be why I have knee pain oh, this, like my, my forward head position from all the sitting, this is how it's impacting my walking. Um, but like all those exercises that come up in the program, like they don't mean anything without the practice of walking, right? So like you can do all these little exercises and work on your alignment, but if you're not gonna take them out walking, you know, what needs to be integrated. Yeah, we do yeah, like an a, integrated approach. Yeah. In the gym environment, there's oftentimes where we're doing something that might be uh, restorative in nature or um, corrective in nature. 
but it doesn't mean anything unless you kind of re-educate the whole system, mm-hmm. top the whole nervous system, the whole body. Like we mentioned feet and ankles as if they're these parts. And it's kind of an illusion to think that we have parts. It's really just one organism. And we could look at it myopically, but it's kind of a naive approach. Nothing yeah. happens in a vacuum. You know, everything, you're right, like we're a system, but we're really like a system of lots of systems that are all intertwined and you can't yeah. interact with one system without affecting all systems. And it, that's, it's important step. So, and walking is foundational to being human, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, we move in patterns and walking is our primary locomotion pattern of locomotion as an upright organism. And uh, you can get lost looking at parts or trying to fix parts and you might make some progress, but without that full body like reintegration, there's always going to be, you know, something missing there. So that's, that's great that, you have a whole program kind of around that in this methodical process of building it from the ground up. That's really cool. What do you do personally? What's fill us in on um, like, what are your favorite practices or how you approach walking or movement in general in your, in your lifestyle these days? Yeah, I, um, so walks, gardening, playing with my son, since since I left, oh, I have, you have, I have a, a one and a half year old. Oh, congratulations! Um, thank you. Um, he is a mover. Um, it's been fun watching him as a movement person. It's been fun watching him develop these skills. They're the best like, teachers. They really are. Um, so, but like in my daily life, so I don't know if you get this as a trainer less, but I I often will get people come up to me who've worked with me as students or um, who know I'm a personal trainer but have never worked with me and they'll come to me and express their shame and guilt about not working out I don't know for sure yeah Yeah. and I think for me so the reason I bring this up is because I don't really work out (laughs) like I you talked about integration before and over the past, you know, seven years, eight years, I've started integrating movement into my lifestyle. So like, I don't, yes, sometimes I will set aside time. Like if I'm stiff or sore or something, I'll set aside time to do some self myofascial release or like foam, people will call this foam rolling um, a lot of times, um, or I'll stretch out certain ways or move certain ways that feel good to me. But I've, like I get my squats in because we don't have furniture that's normal chair furniture. Everything's at ground level. So I get my squats in going up and oh, down. So you're clearly a crazy person now. Yes. I'm one of those people. <laughs> we have a futon, but we've taken the legs off of it. So it's like, you know, oh, nice. like three inches off the ground. Um, I'm sitting on a yoga ball right now. So, um, so I work movement in that way. Um, we, I garden a lot. I like to garden. So we walk to our community garden plot from where we live and it's about a mile. So we walk a mile there and I, and I do this, you know, I did it with my, you know, he's, he wasn't walking at the time. So I would carry him a mile. So like I got my carries in by carrying this 
growing child, squirming child to the garden and then let, letting him crawl around there. And then you got to um, carry your harvest back. Well, in when we did that, there was a wagon involved okay. with, with a seatbelt. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, Again, I won't say that, I, I guess I said earlier that I don't exercise. I would say that I, I exercise a little bit, but a lot of it I've baked, I've made, I know humans are not designed to exercise, right? We're meant to conserve energy. And so I've tried to make myself do things without having to think about it because I get, I get it in because I have to get it in, right? Gotcha. Nice. Um, I still do some uh, kettlebell stuff uh, here and there. I like, uh, I love carrying things and, um, but it's, and honestly with, since I've had my son, it's, it's been less, less exercise and more just general movement because like you said, they're great teachers and he's constantly moving, reminding me to move. Nice. prompting me to move prodding me <laughs> so um but i do i also take walks i i do try to take a daily walk and sometimes that'll be by myself sometimes it'll be you know pulling the wagon or carrying my son um so each day it looks a little bit different but i try to get out and walk every day um and part of that some of it's for my physical health and like an exercise standpoint but a lot of it's from that mental emotional standpoint too like for me walking checks so many boxes if you will yeah. um, and if it's i can walk with my husband like for the solstice we went and did a family walk um and looked at christmas lights and nice. so i got walking in i got family time i got you know in covid times being able to go out and look at christmas light, or like do an activity <laughs> like right, right. it was just so it Again, it's like um, Katie Bowman of Nutritious Movement, which I mentioned earlier, she calls it stacking your life, which I really like. So instead of your exercise time just being exercise, it's exercise and family time and going to the garden. And so providing yourself food, you know, like it's, it's combining all of these things so that the one activity is actually fulfills many needs. Yeah, that's great. And nature, I think, always provides like an upgrade to that too. Oh yeah. Like walk, taking a walk in the woods is um, is about the best medicine there is. You know, yeah, uh, I I can't I can't think of much that a walk in the woods wouldn't help me with right. in some way. Um, and um, so, and what do you wear on your feet? Since you're so yeah. into the shoes, like if you're going yeah. to walk in the woods, are you? Are you barefoot in the woods or? Well, we don't have woods where I live. I live in Eastern Washington. Um, and so there are lots of actually sharp objects. Um, okay. And so I, and I end up walking in town more. So this kind of go like in terms of the shoes, I've worn like the five toe, the toe shoes. Um, I've worn, usually I'll wear like a minimal shoe with like a Vibram type sole. And a Vibram type sole, for those who don't know what that means, is um, it's a sole that it's really flexible, generally anywhere from like three millimeters thick to eight millimeters thick. So it's not, 
you can actually like if you think of like a work boot where if you tried to twist a work boot like it's not gonna budge it's not gonna move but with these soles you can actually twist your shoes so you can see how the shoe the flexibility of the sole of the shoe allows your foot to be flexible so i try to wear something that my toes can spread out in something where my heels are the same height as the ball of my foot um and a lot of these transitions to these types of shoes it like i when i first like i wore regular tennis shoes for a while and regular tennis shoes usually have like up to an inch of heel on them so we don't think of tennis shoes as a heeled shoe or like men's shoes aren't considered heels but they often have an inch yeah. heel where your heel is higher than the ball of your foot um and for so, those listening if, if you yeah. um people might not recognize that but the difference of watching somebody if you were to watch them from the side in mm -hmm. a shoe with a heel compared to without a heel, you will see a, like a chain reaction throughout all the way up the chain. You'll see basically the position of their entire body change from that, that little one inch heel. Yeah, and the shorter your foot, so the shorter the distance from your heel, like mid heel, not all the way at the back end, but the shorter the distance, so smaller your foot, from the heel to the ball of your foot, the mm -hmm. greater that impacts because you have a shorter lever. Oh, interesting. Foot lever. So the bigger your foot, the less impact that inch has. Because it's but spread like, out over more. Yeah. So um, like for little kids, especially, this is really important. They have such a small lever that if you put any heel under their foot, like it's going to tip them forward significantly and their whole body is going to have to react to that. Um, so swim shoes are a great cheap option for kids, right? Because like mm. you sit flat on the ground, but like, um, but really they should just be barefoot as much as possible. Yeah, unless there's like a safety concern. Yeah. Unless think. it's a safety concern. Um, but yeah, barefoot is, and a lot of times, like if you think back to your childhood or I think back to my childhood, like I could run around barefoot pretty well. And it didn't bother me. And then when I got into my teens, like any little rock or something would kind of be like, ooh, ooh, you know, it's that idea. But like, I know a lot of people who are like, I couldn't walk across a sidewalk without shoes. If I stepped on a little pebble, it would really bother me. Whereas like when they were little, they could just run around everywhere because they haven't lost the flexibility Right. and ability in the foot so but, but that could be re-strengthened i mean i think oh, i absolutely. i went through the same thing and now i i do i do wear those vibram toe shoes and oh I i've had all, all my friends laugh at me for years and i'm over it and uh and i'm usually barefoot if i can be and mm -hmm. i will train barefoot and then even if i'm outside training if it's on grass i'll be barefoot or even in the woods yeah. um but then like when I leave the house, I'm always in the, the toe shoes. You know, it's weird. Something that I, I'm generally not into like treadmills, but over the last couple of years, I found them useful. I don't do a lot of running, but mm -hmm. periodically through the year, I'll do like, I'll go in phases where I do a little bit of running. Yeah. And I find that's their best use because it gives you an opportunity to train barefoot and run and not have to worry about stone. So you can let your feet be your foot. And granted, treadmills are not the same as running outside. It's not completely natural for sure, but yeah. uh, 
But there is less time on a treadmill when you're running because running is like what eighty percent flying. That I think they say. Oh, because your foot's not on the your ground. Foot's not on the, the ground uh-huh. for eighty percent of the time. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But um, but it it's interesting that to me the greatest use of the tool yeah. is to be able to run barefoot and not worry. Yeah. Like to like, just to be able to go enjoy and like listen to your music and run or listen to your book and run. Mm-hmm. And not worry about glass or or stones. Yeah. It's a very controlled environment because that's these these days it's hard to do outside unless you know there's like a nice clean field that you know people aren't drinking and breaking bottles in or exactly. I mean, shoes as protection is like hugely important. Like oh, yeah. I I started wearing the five fingers out here or five toes, I guess the toe shoes, and I had to switch out of them because most of the walking I do is on sidewalks and the three uh, millimeter bottom just wasn't thick enough for my foot. So like we're, we have to acknowledge like, yes, there might be glass in a field or on a trail or something, but we're also primarily walking over very unnatural surfaces. So we might need a shoe um, so that we're, because it's on, it's just unnaturally hard. The probably the hardest surface, natural surface you would find is a rock and you're not generally walking on rock, like a straight rock or a hard packed dirt trail. And the, that, that has quite a bit of give to it. Yeah. And so when, and I cover this in the webinar too, it's just like when we're transitioning to shoes again, like it's that idea of like, okay, you might now know the five elements of a healthier for you shoe, but that doesn't mean you go out and like do them all right away your foot's not ready for it and your environment might not allow that to happen in a way that's safe so safety is a a concern um because i know that i think the the toshu people they got sued because they made claims that it could like heal your foot yeah i I mean people well people got hurt from using them and to me it was a user error and i mean i i agree I agree. I, i trained a lot of runners and i've had a lot of people transition from uh, you know traditional running shoes to a minimalist shoe, and and this is hard mentally for a runner to do because if you're if you know anybody that runs you know at least 20, 30 miles a week, they're addicts. I mean we're all addicts to whatever we do regularly, but they're addicts and they're addicted to something that if you take it away, they're going to have a really negative mental and emotional response to i mean they're because they're used to producing all of these neurotransmitters and hormones from this activity that you're taking away so they could experience depression or whatever they're, they're not happy when you take away running so they're very reluctant if they're coming in and they run 30 miles a week and you say okay if you're going to transition to this shoe this is going to be like a three to six month process and you're 30 and like that, that doesn't sit well. Their instinct is to swap the shoe and then just continue on as they're used to. And that's not really giving respect to what they're asking their body to do. So you could get hurt just from like poor training, poor planning, uh, lack of thinkery or whatever. (laughs) I like your use of the word thinkery there. Um, But if you, you know, but it can be done. It can be done in a safe way. It's just like, you have to acknowledge that it's not an overnight thing and be yeah. okay yeah. with it taking time. And it might look like something like, all right, you run 30 miles a week, run, you know, 27 of them as you are, 
and three of them with this. And then the following week, you know, shift one mile and over, you know, several months get to your 30 miles and good things will happen. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's not detailed when you buy the shoe. Uh, it doesn't come with why they got in trouble, but I think the shoe itself isn't again, like you said, the shoe itself isn't the problem. It's a lack of understanding. And uh, I think there's, we have a cultural obsession with silver bullets, right? So like, Oh, this is the shiny thing. This is the shiny thing. This is the new, the new thing. So, um, we wanted like jump in and I think, um, that trend that slow transitioning and the giving i think slow is so key here the word slow because we off again we go fast we're not moving at human pace anymore human pace i love that i'm definitely stealing that from you yeah go for it it. (laughs) um i yeah it's just and even in walking or or any activity any movement like we can use speed and momentum as a way to cover up compensations like i'm you've seen it all the time i'm sure like oh yeah people move so fast like when it comes to walking we, the first thing i often work with is balance and i ask people to slow down and then all of a sudden their balance is all over the place their speed covered up the fact that they were falling and they were able to disguise the fall as forward movements and then when we take the speed and momentum away, then they can't hide it anymore. So yeah, uh, that could be seen in its fullest expression. Just stand on one leg. Yes, you know, exactly. because that's what's kind of happening for yeah. a, a brief moment of time. Yeah. Um, and people where stand on one leg is easy. Stand on one leg and swing the non-stance leg. Right. right? You could stop and do that right now. Stand on one leg. Can you swing the other leg forward and back? because that's what happens when you're walking. And so uh, what I see a lot of times is like people, as soon as we, they might be able to stand on one leg, as soon as we start swinging the other leg, or when I ask them to not stare at one point, but look around, which is what happens when you're out walking, right? You're looking around you and surveying what's going on. You're generally not staring at one point. Um, we rely on that one visual point and the fact that we're not moving to stay balanced, you know, right. or falling forward. Yeah, that's interesting using the speed as a, as a compensatory strategy to because we will always find a way to survive like we're an adult we're going forward we know the direction we're going and we're just going to go that way and there could be all this junk happening underneath but we're mm-hmm. still going to find a way to go forward we were going to we're going to find a pathway in our body to survive and get to the next step and yes. and we will compensate if needed and, yeah. uh, and your that's body, and it's so your body's so amazing. Like I tell people, like whatever your compensations are, your body did the exact right thing to keep you going. Like right. it's amazing. And so, like when we look, it's uh, the problem comes when we have those compensations for a really long time, and they become habits after the fact. After the the time of need is over, so a lot of times we'll like. We might limp or something because our knee's bothering us. And then we continue slightly limping like that even when our knee feels better. So we don't build the strength and stability that we need to get rid of that that movement pattern. And then it wears things down over time. Um, but like you said before, the body, just like with the feet, the body's so responsive. And so once you start, you know, giving it all of these like 
healthy inputs, it really responds beautifully. Yeah, um, it's, it's always adapting. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't turn off that mechanism. So whatever you're doing is what you're getting better at doing in a way. So it's not like, uh, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. Let me flip on my adaptation switch. So I'm like just practicing learning during this time. We're always learning. We're always in constant response to our environment. You, know, you brought up something interesting about the eyes and like, you know, fixating on one thing. Another benefit of walking outside, I found when I was um, early pandemic and in my like mushroom phase. Now, like I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm anxious for the next season to arrive yeah, to get back into coming. that. It's coming. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it was also an opportunity. I'm doing this in the woods to to flex that muscle of vision because mm-hmm. when we're indoors, we're never really varying that much what our focal point is and you know our eyes have been developed over really being in the outside you know Mm -hmm. the insides are kind of the artificial environment so you know you have focal points everywhere every corner every length and i started to notice like my vision was improving a little bit just not and that was before i actively like played a role in like flexing the muscle just from being outside and having that input yeah. and actually come in. And then I kind of got into it and I would pause periodically on my walks and do like vision exercises where, and I think I talked about this on the podcast before with uh, Aaron Alexander from Align, from the Align podcast. I think he detailed it in his book. I want to say, I don't want to botch this. I think it was the Align method. It was a great book and it gave me some ideas of like what exercises to do for your eyes. And I would do them outside and it, it really like move, move the needle. And at 43, yeah. I don't wear glasses and I feel like my vision's better now than it was for a long time. I'm sure it was probably better when I was like really young, but yeah. it definitely got worse over the years. And now like I'm turning it around and the body doesn't stop learning. It doesn't stop no. adapting. We just need the right inputs, the right information to come in to respond to. Yeah, and the eye is just so cool too. It's, it's um, I mean, there's a muscle in your eye. Uh, you maybe talked about this in the previous podcast, but they're the ciliary muscle on the eye. So when you're looking at things up close, it tightens and it makes your eye longer. So it'll move your eye backward, right? So it'll, it'll squish it. It'll squish it from the sides. But when you look far, it relaxes that muscle and your eye becomes round again. So, so looking far is actually a release of a muscle. You know, that's cool. What's the name of the muscle you said? Uh, ciliary. I believe it's spelled S I L I A R Y. Cool. I might take a little deeper dive in that in my own time. Yeah. So like if you're nearsighted, there's this constant kind of squeeze of this muscle from the right and left sides of the eye, um, making it longer. So then that the light coming in doesn't hit the back of your eye correctly, which is why you might need glasses. So I've had glasses since first grade. And like, so I, I try to look far, you know, there's so many things with, with eyes that, are so important, but in, I think, oh, where is that? I can't remember, it's a Southeast Asian country. 
they actually mandate that kids are outside for a certain amount of time because they have so much myopia, nearsightedness. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so they mandate a certain number, um, certain, I think it's like an hour or two hours outside every school day because it helps with nearsightedness. That's awesome. That's like the opposite of what we do in this country, tell us. Especially right now, everybody's told, stay inside. Stay inside. Don't Connect touch anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Anything else you want to share about what you have uh, going on, what you have up and coming or? Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned the two things. So I have the webinar coming up January 27th. Um, and that if you can't attend live, if you register, you get the, um, you get a recording of it. Cool. Um, and I go over a lot of it's the cultural history of shoes and why we just don't really have a lot of healthy for you shoes to begin with. And then what are the things that we want to be aware of and wary of when we're looking at shoes, as well as like the five things that I generally recommend, like the lower heel, enough, the flexible sole, like we talked about. Um, and then I also have my, the wild, the next round of wild walking woman starts February 13th. And that I, I live in, like I said, I live in Eastern Washington but that can be done completely virtually. So I have it set up. I have some people who do it in person and some people who do it completely virtually. So um, it's definitely an option either way. Great, and we will link to those in yeah. the show notes and that's awesome. Um, and how, do, how else can people find you? Is, is the best way for folks to find you is just through the website? So the website is trainmindovermuscle.com. Um, and then uh, I also have a presence on Facebook. I do Saturday walks, just Facebook live walks on Saturday. Oh, cool. Join for that. Um, I do, um, I have a group that I just started called Wild Women Walk Together, which again. The sexist group, yes. The sexist group, Wild Women Walk Together. <laughs> um, and so that's just going to be a place. I, I find that. Uh, I'm going to crash that walk one day. Oh yeah, I would I'm love. Ki- to I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not for the walk. Isn't for just for women. The group. Yeah. So you can come to the walk via Train Mind Over Muscle, um, which is my um, name on Facebook. Or yeah, it's like at Mind Over Muscle, right? Um, and you'll know it's me because it's like a red brain with a like a math problem, Mind Over Muscle, okay. right? Um, and if you had a tip, like let's say somebody is not ready, maybe schedule wise, financially, for whatever reason, not ready to take advantage of uh, the webinar or one of your programs. Like what's a, a, a good entry point for somebody that just wants to move in the right direction? Yeah. And you know, like where to get started as far as maybe bringing awareness to, mm-hmm. you know, well, what the impact of their shoe is or, or any, any topic around what you're promoting? Yeah, I, um, I would say that my email list, my my weekly newsletter is actually a great place. When you sign up, when you go to the website, there'll be it'll ask you if you want to join the new, the newsletter, the weekly newsletter, and that's actually nice because when you sign up, you get a free walking meditation, and it's all about releasing your tension. So that's a nice entry point to figure out like, oh these are because it it addresses common spots of tension when walking and it's meant to be done out walking um 
calm spots of tension when you're walking and it helps you reconnect with the earth, release tension, kind of de-stress a little bit. I find the, the walking meditations to be just so powerful. So the email newsletter is, awesome. uh, it's, and it's weekly. I try not to like spam people or anything. Um, but if you sign up, you get that. Um, another option again, is I do those, uh, if you're part, if you're on Facebook, you can, um, head to again, train mind over muscle. And I announced like 15 minutes beforehand, like, Hey, I'm going to do my live walk on Saturday. So that's completely free. Anybody can join okay, male great, or great. female. Um, and <laughs> Oh, you're so open-minded. <laughs> yeah, I try to be. Um, so yeah, that would be another place. And then I do a weekly within the, um, weekly newsletter. I do, um, a video movement tip each week and so the video movement tip comes on wednesday and then i go deeper into the video movement tip on saturday they don't have to be you don't have to do both but they build off of each other okay. so well, if you great. want kind of access to that that's the that's kind of like a jumping off point that you can use that's awesome well i gotta tell you laura a couple things i mean one i'm really happy for you i'm happy to hear that you have uh, a one and a half year old boy now and mm -hmm. that you're doing well. It's been awesome to catch up with you. And, you know, it's been an honor to play a role in, in your journey back in the day. And, um, and it's just really exciting to see you doing what you're doing. And for the listeners out there, uh, I could tell you that Laura has an enormous heart. She's super smart. And I encourage you to check out what she's doing and seeing if you could find something that helps you, I, I sure you can. And maybe we can get more people around this globe walking and make the world a better place through some through going human speed. Yes. <laughs> maybe we all be able to go human speed a little bit more in the coming days. We need that. Uh, for the listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in. I hope you found something useful out of this conversation. And if you know somebody that you think would benefit from it and could use a little more walking in their life, please share this with them. I hope everybody out there has a terrific day. Well, thanks again for tuning in for another episode. I really appreciate you guys listening and I hope you got some value out of this. I sure did. It was great to catch up with Laura and to hear about her having uh, starting a family now. And I really love what she's doing. She's obviously very passionate about what she does. And I think the message that she's delivering could help so many people out there. And she was uh, kind enough to offer a discount to her programs for the Mindful Movement listeners. So if you're interested, please take advantage. We will link to that in the show notes. And again, if you are uh, enjoying these episodes, please do me a favor and just go to your podcast player and give a review. I'd be very grateful. And if you feel like you know somebody that would benefit and find value in these episodes, please share. Hope everybody has a terrific day.